This is Commemorate Canada. When he was young, John Humphrey's father died. When he was six, he lost his left arm in a fire. When he was 11, Humphrey's mother died. After that, Humphrey went on to live in orphanages. At his private school in New Brunswick, Humphrey was different. An amputee, an orphan, overweight too. He was bullied. He went on to dedicate his life to fighting against bullies. Although his story seems melodramatic, even a touch Hollywood, it's all true. Soon after the Second World War, Humphrey was a lawyer in Montreal. Canada appointed him to a new organization called the United Nations. There, Humphrey applied his thinking about basic human rights into what has been called the Magna Carta of Mankind, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. I'm Tim Querengesser, and this is Commemorate Canada, a podcast about Canadian anniversaries in history. If you've ever wondered how the United Nations came to form not only a part of global history, but Canadian history too, most especially as we grew into a nation of rights and peacekeeping, keep listening. Seventy-five years ago, 50 founding nations created the United Nations in the ashes of the unfettered nationalism that had fueled the Second World War. It was a time of optimism, possibility, a hope for a lasting peace. The founding countries of the UN represented more than 8 out of 10 people on the planet. The idea was to never let global war, like that which had consumed the world twice in less than 40 years previous, ever happen again. The solution was a general assembly of countries, a formalized venue of diplomacy and real politic carried out in multilingual boardrooms rather than battlefields. It was also the second kick at the can. The League of Nations was created in the aftermath of the First World War, but had clearly failed to stop the Second World War. Now the United Nations had an even greater sense of urgency to succeed. I'm going to read you the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The Preamble. Whereas recognition of the inherent dignity and of the equal and inalienable rights of all members of the human family is the foundation of freedom, justice, and peace in the world. Humphrey was the first Canadian who left a mark on the United Nations, but wouldn't be the last. In 1948, he helped craft the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. The document begins, All human beings are born free and equal in dignity and rights. To this day, it's the most universal set of principles and declarations ever endorsed by the majority of the planet. Critics, and there are many, note that a lot of the rights have yet to be attained or have the hands of colonialism at their root. Many cultures have also struggled with the Declaration or outright resisted it. But the Declaration and the UN itself nonetheless created a sense of internationalism, that global issues were something the global community could address together. And these ideals were quickly put to the test. 
The date is March 30th, 1957. The time, 10.45 hours. This microphone is set up on the west bank of the Suez Canal, and here's the first ship. As you have gathered, we're this was to salute the first ship that is passing through Port Said. In the mid-1950s, Egypt seized control over the Suez Canal, where two-thirds of Europe's oil was shipped through. Israel, France, and Britain responded with a military strike against the wishes of their allies like the United States and Canada. Given Cold War allegiances, it looked like the Egypt-linked Soviet Union might be dragged into the conflict, too. It was a small war that could spark a global war. And it was the first ever use of UN peacekeeping forces. Armed troops were placed in the battlefield and supervised the withdrawal of Israel, France, and Britain. Lester Pearson, Canada's foreign minister at the time, had engineered a peace and police force to defuse the fighting. And it worked. Pearson won the 1957 Nobel Peace Prize as a result. Just as the United Nations has had deep challenges over its 75-year existence, so too has Canada's involvement. In the early 1990s, Canada's reputation as a peacekeeper was tarnished, when Canadian forces in Somalia shot and killed an unarmed Somali man and then beat another Somali teenager to death. Then in 1994, the United Nations peacekeeping force in Rwanda led by Canadian Major General Romeo Dallaire was not given the resources or authority by the UN to prevent the slaughter of nearly one million people in that country. Canada's contribution to peacekeeping has been in decline since. Today, less than 200 Canadians are on active peacekeeping missions around the world. And most recently, Canada's hope to reassert itself at the United Nations was also rebuffed. In June of 2020, Canada lost its bid to become a member of the UN Security Council, the organization's most powerful body. Seventy-five years after its founding, the optimism, cooperation, diplomacy, and hopefulness that created the United Nations can today feel out of step with our darker realities. Climate change is a global threat, with global talk but without global cooperation. The COVID-19 pandemic is a global threat, without deep global collaboration. There are now 193 member states at the United Nations. Few of them agree on anything. Many feel those who believe in multilateralism, or in simpler terms, cooperation between countries, see the UN as much as a barrier as a tool for progress. It took three months for the UN Security Council to pass a resolution on COVID-19. For comparison, in 2014, it took but one day for the Council to pass a resolution on the Ebola virus. What will be the future of the United Nations in another 75 years? It's less certain than it might have appeared back in 1945, but it is clear that as global threats become part of our normal, a way to harness global cooperation and ingenuity will be vital for a better world.
thanks for joining me on this journey through one significant anniversary of Canadian history. If you haven't done so, subscribe to our podcast, and you can also rate and review us. This podcast is available at no cost on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and also at cangeo.ca. To get in touch with us, send us a message on social media or email editor at canadiangeographic.ca. Thanks for listening.